NBC Sports Radio weekends. Let's bring in the leisure men. Pabst and Andrew Perloff. The show starts right now. Sunday night, NBC Sports Radio, Stanford, Connecticut. I'm Paul Pabst. He's Andrew Perloff. We're the leisure men. We're an hour in. we got a long night ahead of us. Stick around. Hang out with us. We're taking your calls. 855-323-4622. We did a little football, a lot of football in the first segment. First few hours of the show. We're going to get to a lot more coming up. Odell Beckham. I have a humid take on the preseason pearl that I think you're going to light me up for. I think you're going to light me up for. I'm not sure. You have something on the UFC you teased. Yeah, a big fight last night. John Jones, Cormier. I don't want to spoil it because I actually have a friend who I call. I have a UFC source. I call him my UFC Sherpa. Your consigliere? Yeah. So I call him today on the way in, and I'm like, well, we got the show coming up. Can you give me a couple tidbits to impress Paulie on UFC? (laughs) He goes, dude, I'm traveling. I DVR'd it. Don't tell me who won. I'm like, you can't, because, you know, it's on in the middle of the night. Yeah. So I can respect that. Should I have told him? What's the etiquette there? I don't know how you avoid things in this day and age. I mean, if, if you record something on DVR, Leisureman Tip of the Week, if you decide to record sports, DVR, TiVo, whatever you call it, you have to shut it down. You have to go zero dark 30. You have to phone off. The other thing you have to do is be careful when you turn on a television. Because sometimes if you watch sports a lot and have a sports channel on, all of a sudden the ticker says, this guy won in you know, eight, yeah. eight rounds. Yeah, I don't. I'd never do it. I, you know, I, I can't even. I spoil everything. I, I basically, if I, I want to know, I can't help myself. So DVRing has no effect. For there, me. there was a football game maybe last year, the year before Notre Dame Clemson, a big football game, and I had to DVR the second half because I had to run out and do something kind of a, and I went back to watch it because I really wanted to watch this game. I turned the TV on and put on like, you know, PBS. I turned on the PBS channel fast. Right. So I, I, I know. Yeah, you're safe sports. there. I turned turn my phone off, off, so I wouldn't even get a text from a buddy. Did you see that ending? Go, Irish. And I watched the game. It, it felt like 1977. I had no phones. I had nothing on. So did you enjoy it as much as if you had watched it live? Yes, because I was able to overcome the, the spoiler. I can't do it. All right, let's get to the headlines in sports. If you're on Twitter right now, I'm on Twitter. Kyle Bush is, is trending because he won the uh, race at Pocono. Uh, there's a story about Adrian Beltre for, it reaches 3,000 hits for his career. There's a new story about Allen Iverson that just came down <laughs> the pike. You want to take this one, Pearl? Okay. Allen Iverson, the face of the big three. Big three is the new FS1. Yeah, it's a three-on-three three tournament. Yeah, a lot of former NBA players, like Rashad McCants type players. Ice Cube is a commish. Uh, they play once a week. Now, apparently, Allen Iverson did not show up for today's big three week six game in Dallas as expected. This is a statement from the Big Three. We had no advance warning and do not have information as to all the circumstances surrounding his absence. The league is launching an investigation to gather all the facts, and then we'll make an informed official statement. DeMar Johnson (laughs) stepped in to fulfill the player captain and coaching duties. DeMar Johnson, former Atlanta Hawk. You know, when when it's a three-on-three league and three-on-three team, when one of the three guys Mm -hmm. doesn't show up for the game— it's really tough to you know swap people in. There's not pe- a lot of people there. I don't it, know that Iverson plays that much for them anyway. You got a 12 man roster. Yeah. You could bring in Jack Haley or whoever maybe. <laughs> but is there anything more classic than Allen Iverson oh. being kind of the face and financial backing of the league? And he doesn't. He doesn't show, what's he doing? What has he got? I have no idea. But don't worry. There's an investigation going on. I am so curious. If I, you know, if there's one thing you can know in sports right now, did. It, 
uh, you know, did OJ do it? Where was Iverson today? What, I think I would rather know where he was. I don't think we'll ever get the truth. Can you get it. suspended from the Big Three League? Is that like getting suspended from uh, like the Tilt a Whirl at, at at a local carnival? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's barely a real league. But dude, I'm looking at some other. Can you read a couple other Twitter sure. headlines here? Okay. <sighs> SB Nation NFL Blake Bortles threw five interceptions in Saturday's training camp practice. Keeping stats on interceptions in training camp is ridiculous. Well, but why does that strike me? Blake Bortles, who's had an interception problem, I feel like I read that. I just like I just felt bad for Jacksonville fans. I think the media down there and a lot of people are ready to jump off the Blake Bortles bandwagon. If it's Tom Brady throws five interceptions, you're like, wow, nothing. I'm not reporting that. Working on something. Yeah, Brady's working on some aspect of his game. Now, what if you're the local reporter who wants to skew and say, Jaguars defense poised to shut down opposing uh, signal callers. <laughs> You know, in practice today, they picked off the quarterback, whoever it may be, five times. You know, you could spin this. No, but you know how everyone, all of a sudden, we need a quarterback to pick on. Blake Bortles is that guy now. Everyone loves coming after Bortles. He's had a couple tough seasons after a really great season uh, where he threw 30 touchdowns. Okay, here's another headline just to show you where we're at on Twitter today. (laughs) Danilo Gallinari, who's a new clipper, fractured his right hand after throwing a punch in a friendly match against the Netherlands. Wait, so... It was a exhibition, I believe, Italy and the Netherlands. So Gallinari's playing just some pickup? Playing overs? No, no, no. It's like a real game. It's a country game, but it doesn't count for anything. Wow. And he fractures his hand. Man, those clippers. This, and I have video of it. Like some guy gets tangled in a rebound, and he just wails on him and broke his hand uh, in Euro basketball. Okay, and the last Twitter headline that I really enjoyed, this is from our buddies at Awful Announcing, Ken Fang. Awful announcing NFL Network predicted last year's Seahawks schedule, thinking it was this year's on today's NFL Network mm. primetime show. We're not going to pick on them for that. Those are our friends. You know what? They should pick on themselves for that. If you're a member of the media yeah. and you do something that it's a harmless mistake, you, know, you use last year's schedule, it's one of those things where you're like, someone in the room should get this. Some producer, some, someone in someone's ear should say, hey, dude, you're using last year's schedule. But it happens sometimes. Like, there's been times before where Dan Patrick's on the air and he's saying something that's wrong, and it's usually because one of us, one of his producers, handing something that's incorrect. But sometimes it takes like ten seconds where you're like, "Is he reading the <laughs> the, the the press release from last year from Duke University or the?" Press? <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh no!" And then you're like, "What do I do here?" But would you remember like you'd be like you'd come up to week fourteen in Green Bay? Would you be like halfway through? Bay, Wait, did they play last year week fourteen? I don't know if I was the producer on NFL Network that I would have caught that. You know who, uh, who called them out was Seahawks punter John Ryan on Twitter. He's a character. I, I, I don't know. It's a good time. All this training camp stuff, and we're gonna, I can't wait to hear your preseason take. It's all fun right now. I'm, I'm watching NFL Network. Training camp, tons of fans there. Everyone's optimistic. This is all going to fall apart for all of these teams pretty well, soon. Well, do you find this season to be more or less interesting because the Patriots are such overwhelming favorites. Patriots are must-watch TV. I find it very interesting. But the overall NFL season... Yeah, you know, like, they're being compared to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think the Patriots raised the bar for everyone. It doesn't make me bored. I don't think that they're so good that they make it irrelevant. Like, the Warriors are better than everyone else compared to the Patriots. Like, I wouldn't root for the Patriots to lose Brady so that all of a sudden it's a wide-open league. I wouldn't root for that. I mean, hey, they were getting clobbered in the Super Bowl. They're not a don- they, they are a dominant team, but they don't beat teams into the ground. I mean, there's nothing 
they have to fight for every playoff win they get. So, no, parity is not a concern. You know, we, we were talking a little while ago. We were doing this experiment where we're going to tape a podcast this week. Andrew's got this idea. We're going to look at the NFL rosters now and say who's a Hall of Famer. And we were just looking at them. We're going to tape a podcast later this week. What does the podcast come out? Tuesday night on Apple Apple Podcasts? Yeah, Tuesday night, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. So, you know, download the Leisure Room Podcast. But this week we're going to do an experiment. We're going to look at all the teams in the AFC and say, who are the Hall of Famers on that roster right now? If you looked at the Patriots right now, I know we're going to do this the middle of the week. Besides Brady, is there a Hall of Famer currently on the roster? I know we have to Google this. Well, uh, Rob Gronkowski okay. is the other name, too. Is he all set already? You know, I don't know. I really don't know well, well, if he ended it right now, so which is possible because of injury. We'll go through the whole roster later this yeah. week on the podcast, but is it more impressive that the Patriots don't mm-hmm. have high-end talent on their team? It's incredible. Uh, the way they've done this, and they've churned through players, too. Rob Ninkovich retired today after an 11-year career. And he was he was a meat and potatoes, nice player, nothing special about his game. Yeah, that's how they do it. They just they have a bunch of guys. To me, I feel like that is the ultimate example in all of sports of guys who put the team first, and I think that's been their key to winning. But guys will sort of suppress their individual talents. This is connects to the Hall of Fame. Nobody cares about shining there. Nobody cares about putting up big numbers. So that's kind of why I think they don't have Hall of Famers. They're just all team guys. I know what you're saying, and I, I totally agree with it. Like they, they have guys who their only goal is to win the last game of the season. That's yeah. all they care about and being in position to get it. But usually talent in sports wins out. I don't know. I, don't, I, I used to think that when I was younger. I don't think that anymore. In the NBA, is it the, the Warriors different? What, what, the te- Warriors, for example, this, I'm opening a can here. Warriors don't necessarily have more talent. Because you, you, they're not the top, uh, except for Durant, no one's a top five draft pick. Yeah, what was Curry was about six. Clay Thompson was 11th. Yep. Uh, Durant actually top Ig- of the second round. Iguodala was, a, I believe, a, like, he was high first but round. But from their not, primary core yeah, guys. No, it's incredible. Well, Iguodala is pretty good too. He was, but he didn't make it with them. I don't think it's talent. I think it's system. I think it's they're well coached. They play well with each other. And when you go to a pickup court, and you know this, Paulie, you've probably been on the less talented team. But if you know your guys, if you know your friends, where to pass them the ball, you can beat a more talented team every time. So, how would you imitate the Patriots if you're another team in the NFL? Because you have to win first to convince guys to do this. Like you can't say like. We're going to go with a new thing where mm. let's say I'm the, let's say I take over as general manager of the Los Angeles Rams and say you know what I'm going to have no stars on my team all meat and potato guys who just believe in winning. Well, how do I how do I start doing that? Don't you have to win first and prove the proof of concept? That's a great point. Remember <laughs> what the Patriots did? I'm going to go way back in 2000 2001. They signed all these hungry mid-level free agents like the Izzo types. Guys, they just seem Kevin to, Falk. They look for hungry guys, and they still do. They don't even want first-round picks. Right. You know, they you had to offer them something ridiculous for Garoppolo. Every other team would have traded Garoppolo. And they'd rather have four second-round picks yes. for Garoppolo. They want hungry. They just... I think you got to go with mid-level guys. It helps to have a great quarterback, but they tripped into it. Brady was a six-round pick. So I would say start with the quarterback and the coach. Man, I don't know. Why don't teams emulate them? I, I guess because... Man, this is a tough one. You know who reminds me a little bit of them? The guys in Seattle all buy in, and they've had a, a run of success. Kind Although Richard Sherman speaks out a lot. And, and and they've got some star-hungry guys out there. Yeah. Guys who want stardom. I mean, they, my, Bennett they, wants some stardom. Uh, Sherman wants stardom. Earl Thomas is a quieter guy. Uh, Russell Wilson, despite how humble he appears, he, he wants to be a star. Right, but they sort of fall in line behind Russell Wilson to a large degree on offense. So I, I think it— 
You know, now that I think about it, you really need like a humble quarterback. That sounds crazy. You need a humble superstar who's like a guaranteed Hall of Famer who could uh, lead everyone. But so you just get one of those and you're fine. But also you want someone you're scared of at quarterback that if, if this guy doesn't like me or mm. work with – like I've heard – I've seen Brady yell at guys. Oh, yeah. And I think they get the Michael Jordan stare from him. Yeah, he's an intense dude. I mean, he seems like a friendlier guy than Jordan. <laughs> but uh, no, he's a – in the noties, he's a competitor too. If your top guy – will kill or die to win a game, you fall in line with that. Kill or die. All right, coming up next, I have a humid take on the preseason in the NFL, mm. and you have something on the UFC. We're going to present both of these. Okay, we're going to say which is, a, which is a hotter take. Which is more humid. Yeah. Which- <laughs> By the way, it's humid outside today. That's pretty nice, though. My air conditioning in the Subaru Forester is a disaster. We got to talk about that at length. The Forester, so the air conditioning... You could turn it on for 10 minutes at a time, then you have to turn it off for five minutes. So over the course of the hour, you get 40 minutes of AC and five minutes of where you have to turn it off. It's, it's quite the process. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we took a 30-minute trip the other day. You apologized eight <laughs> times. I was counting. Well, you were wearing a sweatshirt, so I'm like, well, if you're not going to take your sweatshirt off, your zip-up sweatshirt, then you can't be that hot. And I had the windows open. We're going about 80 miles an hour. <laughs> Almost killed you. All right, stick around. We're the Leisure in NBC Sports Radio. Perloff and Paps here on the Leisurman on NBC Sports Radio. Yep. Dude, Aaron Judge is back again, dude. That He might be my auto zone in the zone player of the year. He's uh, had a little dip after the All-Star game. Yeah, and now he's sort of hitting home runs again. I Living in New York, I'm thinking about jumping on that bandwagon pretty hard, but I haven't decided. <laughs> it might be a little yet. late. Yeah. Uh, we've been discussing a lot of Hall of Fame talk today, Baseball Hall of Fame induction, NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame induction coming next week. The name... I think that's getting the most attention is Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. We have Jeff uh, in Dallas on the line. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff in Texas. Jeff in Texas. Jeff, what do you got, buddy? Well, I just wanted to comment, guys. Uh, I'm 64 and been a diehard Cowboy fan for many, many years. And a guy, you know, he's a brilliant businessman, is, uh, or as we all know and all that. However, a lot of Cowboy fans will never forgive him the way he dismissed Tom Landry. And that whole ball of wax when he, of course, bought the Cowboys. And he had, you know, he bought the team. He had a right to do whatever he wanted to. But he later admitted he could have handled that situation much, much better. But a lot of fans will never, ever forgive him for that, you know. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Jeff. He's right. If you remember back in the day when he took over and brought in Jimmy Johnson from the Miami Hurricanes, you know, when you dismiss Tom Landry, there's no good way to do it, but you try to make it as reverential as you can and jerry jones did not do so no i know i knew some dallas fans who are the landry variety they yes. they hated jerry jones for years now they did celebrate those 90s touched at uh, super bowls however but that's definitely a real thing i'm not surprised that jeff feels that way it sure is lucky for jerry jones that the guy he brought in was did so well for the cowboys <laughs> yeah and uh by the way i saw this twitter i'm sorry this is a, a bit of a uh a side trip here. Jimmy Johnson went lobster fishing this weekend on his boat. That is a guy who has lived a football life. We got to get Jimmy Johnson. We got to become friends with him. Jimmy Johnson's pure leisureman. He passed on many, many job offers to stay on the boat down there off the coast of Florida. That guy, when he was hot, there's no college or pro. He could have picked his job. I still think he could, even at this age. He's one of the best. He's really good on TV, too. He is... One of the best pure. Have you ever seen the thirty for thirty? The yes. mini thirty for. I can't think of many better pro football coach combos. I, I'm not sure if anybody jumps to mind. Is Jimmy Johnson in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I don't believe he is, and I think it's a it's 
It's a bit of a controversial decision. Because he should be in the Football Hall of Fame. He's in the he college. Did in college and pro. He's in the college. But can you think of anybody who's sort of done it at both levels like him? Oh, man. I mean, Saban obviously did not make it in the no. pros. Jimmy Johnson hit the top in both places. And he was such a revolutionary in the pros. Remember, he came in and brought all that speed to Dallas. Sort of defined his era. And he was cool. He had the look. He's a great interview. He's, but I mean, he stopped coaching the Miami Dolphins. He was ninety six through ninety nine. I still think they should have. He should have stuck around there a little longer. He was a Cowboys coach for only five seasons. Isn't that amazing? And he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Jerry Jones shortly will be. Yeah, I'm not really cool with that. All right, here's my humid take. Every year preseason, you know, we all get to preseason. Remember Eddie Murphy when you're hungry, you eat a Ritz. You're like, I'm so hungry. You know, like the Ritz crackers taste awesome. You're so dying for football, you'll watch anything. You're going to watch the Hall of Fame game, a bunch of awful preseason games. My human take is don't watch a minute of preseason football if you can. Try your best to not watch. And if you have to watch, only watch the second half of the game. <laughs> because that, that's when guys are really going for it? Right, because guys are playing really hard. You know, like the, the backup quarterback from Kansas State is trying to get a roster spot. There is no more waste of a time of anything in sports than the first quarter of preseason football game. Because you're not seeing something real. You're not really seeing, seeing effort. You're seeing guys go through the motions just to, just to you know, kind of get loose, get ready for the season. Um, and I don't think it tells you anything about your team. And it, it, to me, I compare it to this. You know when you're really, really hungry and you go to a restaurant? Yeah. And you load up on bread. Mm-hmm. They'll bring bread to your table and you'll slather it with butter and you load up. I'm not a bread guy. I don't touch the bread. I wait for the huge veal plate that I got coming. Remember the other night when we out, went out to an Italian dinner, and they brought us this big thing of bread and olive oil? I'll take just a little nibble. Of just that. a little taste. But I don't want to spoil my appetite when I have calamari on the way or, or a beautiful pasta dish. To me, the preseason football is the bread of sports, the bread at the table of sports. Just a touch, just a little. Maybe take a peek in on a game in a second half to see that quarterback from, from Kent State that you like. But don't watch too much preseason football. Okay, this is a— Make, your, make yourself still Jones yeah. for the regular season. This is a peak Paul Paps argument because it also <laughs> involves, like, diet soda and things like— I'm not sure I'm explaining it right, but you see somebody eat something diet, and you're like, what are you doing, man? Right. Just don't eat it all. Go for the real thing. You do not like this sort of faux attempt to reproduce the real thing. Yes. You want the real thing. You get it more than anybody. That's why we work together. You well, no, I didn't say I feel this way at all. No, but, but you but understand. I, I understand you. I feel bad for you because you got to hear these rants from me on a daily basis. Yeah, and they all, by the way, they're, they're, there's a consistency. It's not just about sports, too. They apply to food, uh, housing, right. any kind of decision. It's all the Paul Path philosophy. If, instead of drinking eight Diet Cokes, drink yes. one regular Coke. There you go. We gotta write this stuff down. Nah, nobody cares. Historians will ignore this. People are ignoring it now. Your, your calls, 855-323-4622. More hot takes, more human takes coming up next. Leisure from NBC Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Leisureman. I'm Andrew Perloff. He is Paul Paps. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday night. Now, if you're a UFC fan, you're probably pretty tired pretty tired. You stayed up for John Jones to watch him come back and beat Daniel Cormier to win another UFC title for a guy who really should have been the face of the sport. He was. Like three years ago, he was the most entertaining guy in the sport. John Jones, very tall, athletic, dominant guy. His brother played uh, football. Two brothers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arthur and uh, and Billy or Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Play, I, he was I, a Kansas State. He was a linebacker. I'm actually picturing his face. But as a defensive end for the Patriots. 
Yeah, there's – oh, Chandler. Yeah, Chandler. Chandler, of course. So he was the least <laughs> athletic of the brothers, and he went to the UFC and is the best athlete that the UFC's ever had. Yeah, he's probably. had a few suspensions. Yeah, Rocky he's, got, uh, he's definitely had some personal problems. So here's what I wanted to get into, my human take. After the fight, he called out Brock Lesnar, who was a former UFC competitor, and now he's a WWE champion, mm. and said he wanted to do a sort of cross-sport fight. This is obviously – he wants a big payday like Conor McGregor – who is fighting Floyd Mayweather, which led me to now with, here's my human take. I think that somewhere, maybe the second or third press conference, the Mayweather McGregor fight has jumped the shark. And I feel 200% less interested in it now than we did three weeks ago. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that because when about two press conferences in, if they would have had the fight that Saturday night, I think everybody would open up the pocketbooks and bought it. And people were convincing themselves that McGregor has a chance. And uh, I, I think the money could be less than they, they expect because we're a little tired of this story now. Yeah. Also, too, they acted like buffoons. They were homophobic. They were sexist. They were racist. Yeah. And it just got way too ridiculous. So I think people realized, hey, wait, what are we all excited about? I think the media turned on them a little bit because the stuff they were doing was ridiculous. They, it's almost like the, the old college football season where it felt like yeah. it took too long to yes. end. The story feels like it's taking too long to end. Yes. It's a perfect analogy. It's the BCS title game. The, pro- the problem is I want to watch the fight. I definitely don't want to pay for the fight. I'm not exactly a cheap person, but I, I don't want to be sitting there afterwards spending 110 bucks with tax going, I can't believe I paid for that. I should know better. I don't want to be that guy. It's a night of August 26th. It's a Saturday late in August. How do we do this? How are we going to approach this? Okay. What's a leisureman fight plan? Okay, that, let's go real. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be that night in Rhode Island with my family in, in a little area called Snug Harbor, Wakefield, Rhode Island. I don't know that many people up there. I don't know what bars. I don't know if there's a lot of UFC bars on the coast of Rhode Island. Like, oh. I'm not sure where to go. I don't have any friends up there, really. Now, do you have? Uh, you can order the fight at your house, though. right? So that's an option. I'm not going to do that. I think I'd rather. I do want to watch, see all the pomp and circumstance. See, if you invited us for the weekend, you and I could split the cost and feel a little better. Right, we feel better about ourselves. We could. Now, would we be able to stay up for it? That is the other huge, or <laughs> or we just DVR and have our party in the morning. Right, or we could fly to Los Angeles and the fight would start about eight fifteen. Yeah, or we, why don't we just go ringside in Vegas? Yeah, While we're at it. I'm sure we can get in. They're dying to get the Leisureman uh, franchise in there. But do you feel like the buzz has definitely died down? I think So you think it's more about time than content. I feel like they, they definitely said some things that were really off-putting. They got a lot of free publicity, though. A lot of yeah. people who don't watch sports know who Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are. My wife knows when that fight is. And yeah. she, doesn't, she doesn't really schedule anything and watch a lot of boxing. I think they, they should have kept – McGregor's a great showman. But I think he's great because he, he rarely fights, first of all. You always want more. I felt like they, they put out too much. Well, the thing about McGregor, they can't do this without him. You know, Floyd Mayweather can make $100 million on his own. McGregor, they, for everyone to get this weird payday, they need McGregor to go full, full Monty. He, they, he has to go kind of crazy. And this is his one shot. This is it for him. He's going he's gonna to pull out all the stops because this is going to be the biggest payday of his career by far and the last big payday of his career. What do you think, though, What John Jones wants to fight Brock Lesnar? Off the top of your head, would you pay for that? No, because it feels like a, 
Oh, you're trying to latch on to this. Yeah, I mean... It could be a better fight for all I know. Yeah, I mean, Lesnar has a UFC background. He ha- he outweighs him by 40 pounds. That's it, the difference. So it feels like a gimmicky fight. It is funny, though. He's fighting the WWE, which is not ac- actually fighting. It's scripted performance. Yeah, but he has a UFC background. Sure. He has a football background. Wrestling has a wrestling. background. He is... I mean, I mean, were you a fan of him when he was wrestling? I know you're a big amateur wrestling fan. Amateur wrestling. Yeah, no, I was more like the Rulon Gardner's... Okay, Olympic-level guys. Yeah, those kind of guys. But John Jones is a guy. I'd like him to be the face of the sport, but I find he's really cool to watch. He does this, like, jump-forward elbow swing move that knocks people out. John Jones was poised to be the face of of MMA, and then he had drug issues and other issues and violent issues off the court, off the mat, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's kind of wiggling back into the sport. Everyone wants him to see him fight. But I think a lot of people in the UFC are worried to put their franchise <laughs> in his basket because, you know, he's not the most reliable guy out there. I feel like he turned the corner. I don't know what it is. <laughs> he's, he just turned 30. For some reason, I watch him. He's always – he, yeah, I know he's had problems with drugs. But he always – every interview, he seems like a nice guy. It's so stupid. Who knows? Yeah. You're right. That's a good point. Do you really want to put all your eggs in that basket? But UFC lives on the fringe, man. And not only that, they did that $4 billion deal – have we talked about the, any UFC fight? Is anything standing out to you other than Mayweather-McGregor? No, but you know, UFC sold at the right time. You wanna, they did. You want to sell when you're hot and you appear to be up and coming, like uh, on the rise still. All right, so who had a more human take? Uh, that Mayweather-McGregor had jumped the shark or don't watch preseason football? They're both pretty risque. We're telling people not to watch sports with both of our takes. Well, yeah, I, you, know, you know how I am. I love to overreact to preseason football. I do, too. Like, when I'm watching a preseason game, I do enjoy it, but I purposely don't do it. It's almost monastic. I'm trying to deprive myself of stuff to make the regular season even better that first Sunday. I don't want to watch junky football that doesn't count. Yeah, you're right. What about uh, keeping stats at training camp? That's a trend I've noticed more. <laughs> and overanalyzing individual, like, battles at training camp. I guess you have to justify your job in this 24-hour Twitter world. If you're a reporter for the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. and Sam Bradford is 1 for 11 in his last— 12 training camp passes. I added it up 1, 11, 12. Uh, that would never happen because Bradford completes like 80% of his passes. Right, but, but that's why you'd report it. Like, wow, what's with Sam Bradford today? He was 1 of 11. you got to pump stuff out there. And they don't care if what you're pumping out is junk. But with Twitter and, and social media, and if you're a beat writer for a franchise, you better be pumping stuff out every day. You can't take three days to write a story. What storylines what story out of camp do matter? I, is injuries the number one thing? Like Mike Williams, sideline for the yes, Chargers, injuries like are, wide receiver out of Clemson. That's a big deal. I get really down when I see th- yeah. stuff happen. I get like when I see these players who have a shelf life of, at the best, ten years. If they're great, it's ten years. And Mike Williams might lose one of those ten. Yeah, it's going to take him forever to get started. And it's the Chargers. I get down for the franchise too. But it's the Chargers. Remember, they kept losing Keenan Allen and other wide receivers. Like I'm pretty excited about them. They're playing in a soccer stadium this year. That's a team I could get behind. Right. But they feel snakebitten. They do. They feel like they've had their best days seven, eight years ago when they had a lot of talent with Gates and Tomlinson and those guys. But then I look, was it Dante Fowler for the Jaguars yeah. a couple of years ago? Before if training cap even really gets going, he's out for the season with a knee injury. You love to see rookies. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, you should care more about when old guys get injured, but we as consumers care more when young guys get injured because we want to see that next crop get in the league. Oh, yeah. I saw a tweet that Christian McCaffrey, uncoverable in one-on-one, Cam right. Newton. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm all in, dude. I will pay to see – he's one guy. He might be the guy I pay first to see next year. I I think – oh, I don't know if I'm going to go Horm take and say – he's going to touch the ball a truckload yeah. down there. Uh, and it's going to be those dump passes. Right. 
He'll probably have, I would say, probably a, like 1,100 yards rushing and 65 catches. I, I think uh, they're still going to run Jonathan Stewart. So yes, I think that's why eight, he's not going to. Yeah, I say 800 yards. I think 1,100 is a little aggressive. I think he's going to carry the ball about 200 times at five yards a carry. So. And also, remember, they got that kid out of Ohio State, Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver running back mm-hmm. duo guy. He's awesome, too. They took him in the second round, so they're going to have to share the ball. But all of a sudden, like, wow, we're, we're into the Panthers. Look at us chopping up training camp, just like we said we would try not to do. Yeah. All right, coming up next, how was your weekend and your phone call, especially you Cowboys fans, 855-323-4622. Leisureman, NBC Sports Radio. Perloff, half <laughs> Sunday night, NBC Sports Radio. Man, this has been a great weekend. Paulie, I just chilled out. All weekend long. How is your weekend is an important part of our show because we're leisuremen. We, the weekend is what you strive for. You want to chill. You want to hang out. And watch, by the way, like hours and hours of sports, and which we managed to do even on off season. What else did you do this weekend? Okay, I did something interesting. You know, I live in Brooklyn. Sure. So we were uh, sort of stuck in the city today, but we turned it into a lovely time. A staycation? Yes. Now, there's this thing uh, right where we live. There's a new ferry system and it works exactly like the subway Polly. Okay. You pay 250, you can take the ferry to Governor's Island, which is this island off the city of New York with all these like sort of weird quirky attractions. And, That's what we did. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in the yeah. East River, right? Yeah. And then you go from there to Wall Street, South Street Seaport, and then you can go up to Midtown to Broadway. So, Saturday and Sunday, I took the girls on the ferry. On Saturday we went to Governor's Island. This morning we went to South Street Seaport, downtown oh. New York City. Awesome. Really fun. There's a sick taco place called El Luchador that Mm. you and I have to hit. Uh, But it's really nice. And I would, it's great for kids. Do you find when you live somewhere, sometimes you don't explore right what's near you? Yes. Because you think you have to travel to explore? Yes. I do that. There's there's a lake by my house. I could probably hit a golf ball to it. I've been there twice. And it's got this little beach area and this little area for kids. And every day I drive by, I'm like, why don't I go over there? And my, I take my kids there like once a year. I should be going there once a week. Yeah. I got to tell you, there was a little bit of a selfish reason here. There's word on the street, and I shouldn't really give this up. Go I'm going to. Philadelphia 76 are shooting guard J.J. Reddick lives in Brooklyn. Apparently, his favorite thing to do is ride the ferry with his kid. And several neighbors have spotted J.J. Reddick on that ferry. Are you lightly stalking J.J. Reddick? I'm lightly stalking him because I think he's so cool. He's got a podcast. Yeah. He's now a podcast. Yeah, he's now a 76. He lives in Brooklyn. He's got You're a 6'4 white guy. Yes. I could shoot. Actually, I'm a pretty good shooter. Not as good as J.J. Reddick. You're saying you're not as good. A lot of people hate me just like they hate Reddick. (laughs) I'm obnoxious to some people. So he's. I kind of was hoping to see J.J. Reddick. You both went to elitist colleges? Yes. We. Oh, my gosh. He's like a better version of me. And he rides a ferry back and forth all day long is what someone told me, and I didn't see him. Well, we should contact him. I actually have a contact for J.J. Reddick. Do you okay. want me to set up a bro sesh? I would love it. Would you come down to Brooklyn? We'll ride the ferry? This is your thing. Launch you. You don't want to? No, I kind of need you there. I'm a little nervous. To hang out with J.J. Yeah, Reddick. I'm a little nervous. I don't think I could just, what if I'm not cool? Like, you could come in and sort of keep the conversation going. How would that work if you're not famous and you hang out with a real famous guy? Like, it's got to be really... Is it more weird for the non-famous person or the real famous person? Um, I don't know. I always get nervous. But, like, the other day, we were on a movie set. <laughs> Look at me name dropping. No, but this is true. With Adam Sandler. and Because of our job with the Dan Patrick Show, we occasionally get to go to things that are way above our fame grade, yes. I guess you'd say. Way above. Way above. And the other day that happened, we were on set for Adam Sandler, and I got a text from you. Hey, I'm hanging in the Sandler trailer. Right. 
So who was in this trailer? So Adam Sandler's shooting a movie with Chris Rock in, um, in Queens. <coughs> Brooklyn, Queens area, Long Island area. And so we were going to be extras in this movie. And myself and Seton O'Connor from the DP show, we go down and it's me, uh, Seton, the two producers, Sandler, and the director, Robert Smigel, this fantastic comedian. And they said, we have to break. It was pouring rain. So what they did to stay on schedule is they said they're going to take a, a, a break to eat for about an hour. And so we were just going to stand around there by this concession area where you can get food on a movie set. Mm-hmm. And Seton and I are trying to be you know, kind of calm and out of the way. Sandler goes, oh, come, come back with me. Get a bite in my trailer. And, we're like, and it felt like one of the – it didn't feel like it, but it's, I felt like that's a faux invite. Adam Sandler doesn't want – if Dan Patrick was with us, he may invite us all back. Of course. So Seton O'Connor and I were both like, no, go, go. He goes, no, no, come back. And then we're like, okay. And then Sandler kind of walked over to one of his guys – and it's, it's kind of like a, a one-minute drive to the trailer, so he's finding his car. Santa goes, go, come on, come on. He kind of waves us for the third time. It's a triple ask. Yeah. So we actually went back. We went in the trailer. His two kids are there watching, like, SpongeBob. And then they made food. And we sat and had a real conversation for about a half an hour with Adam Sandler. And he did most of the questions. Like, he asked more questions than I did. It was like, so, Adam, tell me about being on Saturday Live. You wanted to do that, but I you did. Didn't. But like we we brought up this topic of of interviews and great interviewers, and we were discussing what makes a great interviewer. And he brought up the topic. Wait, so let let me ask, like, be honest, like the level of anxiety. Who was it more awkward for, for Adam Sandler, or for you? Me, because you know Adam Sandler is a, a monstrous star and very well known guy. Even though we've met him before, I'm sitting there going, thinking, I think of myself. You kind of have that out of your body experience. Like, I think he's enjoying this conversation we're having. I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah. And then at some point, I figure he'll just go, all right, I'm going to get my cereal later, boys, and kick us out. And it never happened. Yeah, I came down, and you guys were just we were small talking about Kyrie Irving. Yeah. But I get tense because I'm like, this man is in the middle of a movie set. It's a creative time, I, and he's just so nice. I don't want him to have to host me when he should be focusing on his own things. Which I totally was right. trying to get out of there, but he wanted to talk about – we're talking about Chevy Chase and Howard Stern and different things like that, but we're talking about like – great interviewers and Dan, you know what Dan does for a living and it, it was still awkward though because it the, the weird part it was that for the half an hour it wasn't awkward and then when I got out of there I was kind of like remember when Will Ferrell yeah. was debating in old school, <laughs> old and, school he, yeah. and he kind of comes out he's like Ugh. oh I know that well that's how you debate like I felt like I was like oh wow I just had a half an hour conversation with Adam Sandler about like Stuff that he actually wanted to talk about. Right. And sometimes when we're, we know some, some of these celebrities are really nice and they turn it to you and like ask, how's your family? Don't you feel weird when they say that? Yeah. Like Will Ferrell asked about my family one time. Right. I'm like, how, what? How, you're Will Ferrell. What the heck do you care about my family? Wow, we're dropping some good names in this segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Pretty, all I got, by the way. Who's Sandler the most, and Ferrell. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in the presence of? Even if you didn't meet them, where you're like, mm. you couldn't keep it together. Uh... Well, Farrell and Sandler are right there. But, where, but you yeah. kind of are aware of them, and they're aware of you. I mean, I was in a room once, and Paul McCartney was in, in the room. And I could, wow. feel my, I could feel myself like, oh, man, I hope I don't get introduced to Paul McCartney, even though it would be the greatest thing in the world to be Paul McCartney. That dude is everywhere, though. Yes, but it was at the Super Bowl, and there was like a little yeah. party going on. And, and also, Paul McCartney walks in this room, and the whole room changes when he walks in. Why is it that Paul McCartney seems like such a down-to-earth guy that I'm not too scared of him? Am I'm I not, crazy? I'm not scared of him, but in the actuality of what you would speak out of your mouth if you met Paul McCartney, besides saying, you're awesome. Let me throw one at you. What if Michael Jordan was at a party? That, to me, he's one guy who feels like he'd be just so huge, he'd be out of touch. I, I was at a party, a uh, DirecTV party, about uh, in November, November, December, and um, Vince Vaughn was standing there. 
Yes. And, and I was getting some shrimp, and all of a sudden I look, and right next to me is Vince Vaughn, and there's no one else around. So, like, we almost had to start, start talking. And I look, I go, hey. I go, uh, I was, I saw you at game three and game four of the Cubs. He goes, oh. He goes, are you still high off that? I go, completely high. And we had a 30-second conversation. Yeah. And I ran away. I was like, I think Dude, I nailed I, that conversation. I was awkwardly watching the entire conversation. <laughs> I, I was there. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> that was a good 30 seconds of Vince I'll Vaughn. give you a good 30. <laughs> All right, stick around. We're talking more NFL, more retiring in the NFL, and the movie <laughs> Night Shift. Big hour ahead.